We're back! Yo! We are officially back. This is Hater Radio. My name is Chris McLean. I'm here with my co-host, as usual, Ian Gibson. Ian, how the hell are you? I'm doing good. I'm uh, ready for the season to start. Yeah, man. I mean, it feels like like usual with any time we go into offseason. It feels like it's forever from the last game, which was that beat down here in L.A. with Georgia destroying TCU. But, uh, you know, a lot happened. You know, the Pac-12 is pretty much non-existent. Dead. <laughs> Um, you know, uh, for nobody born before the big East, this is what it was like. Yeah. This is exactly what it was like. Oh yeah. And then, uh, now Oregon and Washington have left to go to the big 10. So now UCLA, USC, uh, Washington and Oregon are now in the big 10, uh, big 12 added Utah, Colorado. Um, I'm trying to think who else. I mean, it's just, it was a whole calamity. Like the PAC 12 was like trying to figure out a deal. Um, things fell through and then they just all scattered and it really started. Well, technically with USC and UCLA, but then once Colorado left to go to the big 12, it was, you know, the writing was on the wall and that was it. I mean, those, all those teams just started to flee. And now it looks like Stanford and Cal, you know, are holding the bag and, there's, you know, I really feel bad. Is Oregon State, aren't they the other ones that are staying? Or do they? Yeah, Oregon, Oregon. Oregon State and Washington State are still in the Pac-12. But, uh, I mean, I know there was talks today about the ACC talking to uh, the the rest of the teams to maybe uh, assimilate into the ACC, but it's such far um, logistics for all those teams that it really doesn't make too much sense. I know there was also talk of teams from the mountain West, like San Diego state, uh, UNLV, Fresno state and Boise state. And then some from the AAC, which would include like SMU, USF, Tulane, and maybe Memphis uh, merging into a, a bigger conference. That has some potential because there's some big markets involved there. There's Dallas, there's uh, New Orleans, there's Tampa Bay. That, I was going to say Tampa. And somewhat Memphis as well as a decent-sized market. So, you know, there is some play there. You know, obviously San Diego and all the other ones. But I'm just – there is some interest there, but it just depends on what happens with the ACC. But let me just start with – you know, uh, normally I give like a breakdown of who we are, but I'm not going to do that this time because I think I'm going to put like an uh, an intro of to, to who me and Ian are on the website and on the the profile so that people can see it that way. Because doing it every time is kind of ridiculous. So I'm just going to do it once one time and we'll put it up there and you'll be able to know who we are. But a little bit of who we are. We're both Florida Gator fans. Obviously, I am. And, uh, you know, Ian is as well. But we both I know I'm not representing it tonight. Yeah, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you work for the for the Phillies, uh, the, for the Threshers. That is also true. Yeah. So um, but um, 
both me and Ian work in uh, production. Ian works for the Clearwater Threshers. I work in TV and film here in Hollywood. Um, I've worked on Star Wars shows. I've worked recently on a Marvel show. Um, and uh, now I'm actually on the negotiating committee for my local uh, for 728. So I'm really proud about that and uh, making a difference with, uh, uh, you know, uh, labor negotiations. But we also both, I graduated from USF and he went, he's going to USF currently. And so, you know, we have the ties there. Uh, we also, we cover both of those teams, but we also cover USC and UCLA, which I live nearby. So it's easier for me to tap into that. I have friends that are uh, fans of both teams and uh, people I work with. So I get to, you know, hear what's the hubbub on the ground. Um, you know, it's mainly those four teams, but we also talk a lot about, you know, almost every college football storyline, anything that's interesting, you know, Ian, I give you credit because you have come up with some of the surprise teams over the last like five years since we've been doing this together that you have found like Coastal Carolina, um, you know, uh, UTSA before anyone else even knew who they were. And it's, you know, it's a credit to you because you have done your research. And I will say that I feel like I know a lot about college football, but I defer to you on a lot of stuff because I know you know more specifics about a lot of teams more so than I ever could because you're very tapped into it. And that's what hopefully we will show on this show that we are very uh, knowledgeable as best we can. Um, but uh, as far as the show goes, what we're going to do today, we're going to do a season preview. We'll look at all the conferences. Uh, we'll look at the teams that we were talking about that we cover USC, UCLA, uh, South Florida and Florida. And then we'll give our uh, potential Heisman list, um, playoff teams, and then look at the week zero games, which there's only really like two or three worth mentioning. So it's not gonna- Notre Dame and uh, I believe it's Navy. And then yeah. USC is playing, uh, I think, San Diego State. No, they're playing, I think it's San Jose State. Because San, 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 San Jose State. Yeah, I yeah, keep getting them mixed up. San Diego State actually plays UCLA next two weeks from now. And I might be able to go to that game. So I'm really excited about that. But, you know, the funny thing is actually UCLA is playing Coastal. Uh Oh, for real? Yeah, and I was, like, disappointed because I'm going to be in Salt Lake City. So I'm like – but I'm not really that mad because I'd rather go to the Utah yeah. game. So. That's true. So, no, anyway, so um, the way the show works, we'll just talk about the stuff and then we'll go forward. So let's do it. Let's break into – let's first talk about USF. I want you to talk about USF. And with that, our little light show, boom, we got our colors. But you all love that. Okay, that's great. Real, real nice effect. So, Ian, give me your lowdown on USF. I looked a little bit into it, but I'm kind of deferring on you because you you're tapped into it there. You're you're going to school there. You know more than me. So, give me your info. Yeah. So, I mean, you want to talk about going to a, you know behind the you know starting line? That is exactly what Alex Golish is doing. Brutally honest, my expectations are very, very, very low. I know the hiring wasn't – there was a lot of hoopla about the hiring because of, you know, what he did at Tennessee, and Tennessee had a fantastic offense last year. But 
<laughs> I told a lot of people on campus that were excited about that, that they're like, Oh, college. She did really good. It was a great coordinator at Tennessee. And I went, yeah, I heard the same thing about Jeff Scott and Charlie strong. Um, that's true. So I'm not, I'm not sold yet. You know, this is the thing, you know, I'm definitely of the mentality now growing, you know, maturing more watching college football that these coaches have to prove to me. Um, these new hires have to prove to me that I can, you know, trust them, that they can win these games. So far, Alex Walsh, first time head coach. Um, this is a big uh, task for him. It is very, very, very important um, that he's be able to tap into this uh, Tampa market um, to, you know, get the recruiting uh, pipeline and seen it. There was a boatload of talent just within the Hillsborough community um, that he can, you know, acquire very similar to what UCF did with the Orlando um, and uh, Wind Lakes area as well. Um, that Scott Frost accumulated um, with that um, this year. It's, it's very tricky how to gauge USF because their schedule looks it has a complete facelift. Uh, you know, pretty much conferences as you knew a year before don't exist anymore. And we, we talked, you know, Pac-12 is dead. Um, I made a joke. It was like the scene in uh, Whose Line Is It Anyways, where it, I said, "Welcome to college football," where the conference names with numbers are made up and regional conference names don't matter because you're going to have the big 10 with 18 teams and potentially the ACC with teams in Texas. Um, Potentially we're going to see how that goes anyways. So, you know, the American they're adding, you know, UTSA, um, UAB, FAU, um, Charlotte, I believe is one of them. Um, And a couple uh, other teams. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. What were the, those are the four. Um, they got, they took a lot from the, Oh, North Texas and rice. Those are the other two. Um, I knew there were Texas teams, but now it's a whole group of competitors that USF has not played with, but I think the town, they should be able to win more games. Let's put it like, get straight to the point. I think the talent is there to potentially, you know, win these games. It wasn't, I don't think it's going to be as bad as last year, but yeah. I'm not expecting USF to make the bowl game jump or threaten for the American. For me, the American conference is between Tulane, uh, Tulane, Memphis, and especially UTSA. Um, Gary Bohannon's coming back, which is a huge play. He's, you know, the first time I can look at the quarterback and go, you know what? I have faith that he can, you know, make the right decision. That has been a real struggle with USF ever since Quentin Flowers left. They have not really had that signal caller uh, that they can rely on. Um, the problem is a lot of his receivers are either transferred or have been, uh, you know, graduated. Um, so his targets are going to have to move. Luckily, Bohannon does have some mobility. Um with uh, Brian Battle as the um, with him out um, and Naquan Wright coming in, um, Naquan Wright, uh, both me and you saw it. He definitely has elite speed. Um, it's just yeah. a matter of this O line, this fresh O line, being able to give him the lanes. I think with the competition they're playing, with the exception of Alabama, of course, let's not forget that's actually happening. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
there is potential that they can, you know, the offense can, you know, not be as anemic as uh, was last year. Now they were putting up points, but not nearly enough to win the games. Um, luckily for the defensive side, there's a lot of returning starters coming back. Um, the defense was huge, an absolute huge Achilles heel last year. I mean, I yeah. can't name how many times I, they were on a third and like, seven and i'm like eh, they're gonna get this um or just break off like 50 yard running um the potential is there for usf to make the necessary steps that we've been expecting from them literally the past three years i believe the talent is there i believe the coaching should be there and i think these guys are experienced enough they've done a good job from the transfer portal getting guys in that fit with the system that they can win more than two games. I don't think they go to a bowl game, but I think they will be able to pull out some of these games. Last year when I saw USF play teams that they were even with, at least talent-wise, I didn't I was not gonna go for them because I don't think they knew how to win these games. But you know, say they play like a North Texas or Rice, um one of those teams. I think 50-50 games they could probably pull some out. I'm not going to be over the moon with them, but I think for a first-year coach coming into an absolute mess, which is what it is, I mean, I mean, I think four wins would be okay for him, for Golish. Um, anything less than that, I will also understand, but I'm not going to be upset if, you know, when I'm going around campus, say in December, and they're like, "Oh, can you believe we only won three games?" And I'm like, "No, I can believe it," because the USF has to prove it to me that they can win these games. The, unfortunately, I mean, they, there's a they've only uh, won four games the last three years, so like it totally makes sense. I mean, I'm looking at the stats now, and I had heard it earlier the other day where South Florida was 131st in total defense, and uh, that's dead last, and. Yep. You know, they were also, like you said, on third third downs. I believe they were 131st on third down conversions as well on defense, which, you know, it's a recipe for disaster. And their offense wasn't bad last year. They scored a lot of points and they were moving the ball, especially like once Jeff Scott got fired, the offense really started to click. But the defense was so terrible that they could really never like – it turned into shootouts by force. Oh, yeah. There were so many shootouts. Like, they barely lost to UCF. Like, that was – I thought they were going to win that game. Like, that was – I did, too. Yeah, <laughs> it was so close. I'm surprised they didn't win that game. It was, like, amazing that they didn't. But, no, um, you know, and that's actually tied in with all four of these teams, with USC, UCLA, Florida, and USF, is their defense has been the Achilles heel for all three – all four of them. You know, uh UCLA has a new defensive coordinator. USC is working with the same defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch. Uh, Florida has a new defensive coordinator in Austin Armstrong. And, you know, obviously a new whole coaching staff with USF. So it's been, you know, uh, kind of tumultuous with all four of them. And it's, I mean, that's the key for all four of them. If they can improve there, which I think most of them have brought in better talent, uh, that have been there. Um, USC has uh, more returners. Florida, 
you know, they have intermixed a lot of younger guys and a lot of transfers coming in. But let's uh, let's speaking of that, let's let's dive into Florida. Well, the first let me give your you said around like what, three or four, three or four wins that we were thinking about with with I'm, USF. I'm going to play it safe and I'm going to bet the under I'll give them three wins. Um, okay. I'm, I know for any other big time program, that would suck. But I mean, for USF, you got to take the baby steps. Yeah, of course. And I'm I've been fluctuating in between like four and six wins. I think I think two could probably be their floor and the ceiling is probably six. So I'm guessing probably four. But, you know. It's also an easy conference. Like, there's a lot of games that they could easily win because, like, they're they replaced Cincinnati, UCF, Houston, and um, uh, yeah, those three are out. And now Charlotte and Rice are in. Like, those teams are not that good. So that's those are easier games that USF has a better chance at. And there's also Temple on the schedule, and uh, you know they have a chance or. A, they do play in AM, but also Florida Atlantic is in now, which is a winnable game. It should be a winnable. I feel like they, they are at a level where they should win that in, in terms of yeah. talent wise. I thought it was kind of brutal. I remember saying when I think I said it last year when UTSA came in, I'm like, UTSA could win the conference their first year, and USF has to go on the road and play them. Yeah. I, you know, I was looking at the stats for UTSA. Um, you know, their returning quarterback is really good. He had like over 4,000 yards passing. Like that's, that's a solid number. That's, that is like top, I think top 10 in the country, something like that. So, uh, you know, I can see UTSA doing very well this year and it's going to be a, a, a very tough game for uh, South Florida. But so we got to that season prediction. Let's move on to Florida. Okay. So Obviously, this is going to be a more difficult year because of the schedule and next year as well. I think coming into it, um, it looks like recruiting is really turned around. Right now, they're number three in the country as of for 2024 class. Um, DJ Lagway is the five-star quarterback that's coming in next year. you know, the recruiting from the year before would have been better if it weren't for uh, Jalen Rashada pulling. Yeah, that all messed But now it's funny because now he's the starter at Arizona State, which, you know, showed he obviously had talent. There was just issues with the NIL. Seems like Florida is really like figured those out, you know, with uh, Florida victorious. So there's seems to be headway there. Um, you know, it seems like things are turning the corner, but last year they finished six and seven with that loss to Vanderbilt, Florida state and Oregon state. So it was all the momentum that they had built up to that point. I think there were six and four heading into that Vanderbilt game really went away. And so they are trying to rebuild what they had there and, you know, look what happens. They got a, you know, a Thursday night game in Salt Lake City against Utah, the return trip from last year's uh, epic battle in Gainesville where Florida pulled away at the end and won off that uh, interception in the end zone by uh, Amari Bernie. Um, There's no Anthony Richardson now. 
Um, but Graham Mertz is there. And I, you know, I wasn't the biggest fan when I heard the news that he was going to be uh, the the transfer portal pick for quarterback because Florida was so uh, low on quarterbacks because the issues that happened with Jalen Kitna and then Anthony Richardson um, turning pro and then obviously not getting Rashada. Then there was Marcus Stokes that had an issue and he couldn't come on campus either. So it was all this like just snafus with these quarterback situations. And obviously the Jalen Kidna thing is terrible. And I don't even want to really talk about that. We don't really need to. Um, but, um, and then the other thing, the other quarterback was that uh, Austin Simmons that was supposed yep. to reclassify, but then he ended up going to Ole Miss. So yeah, Florida, I remember that there, there was potentially like five quarterbacks in that scenario that all could have been at Florida I mean, at least two or three of them, and none of them showed up. I mean, that's quite remarkable in a span of, like, a year's time. I don't know how anything like that ever happens is kind of – it's just – it's like a, a very freak occurrence. I don't imagine it happening again. Looks like DJ Lagway is coming, and that's just pretty much, you know – I want to knock on wood just for the sake of it with all Yeah, this. I know. I do never <laughs> know. But, like, but it seems like he's coming, so it's like that's – you know, that seems likely, but uh, no. So let's, let's talk about it. Okay. The schedule is obviously very hard. Um, Austin Armstrong's here. The defense should be improved. Um, you know, there's safety help. There was linebacker help. There was uh, D line help that came in the transfer portal, Cam Jackson, um, Nunnery, uh, Milton, uh, what's his name? The, the Michigan uh, safety. Um, so oh Yeah. Uh, yeah, so all these guys coming in, you know, it's it it seems like, you know, with the mix of the younger guys that are there, um, Shamar James, uh, all the guys on the D line, um, Kelby Collins, uh, just it's a plethora of talent on the D line. I mean, it's remarkable how many people there are, and you know. I, I look at the offense, though, and I'm not as worried as the offense, though, because the offense has, you know, ETN coming back, Montreal Johnson coming back. It sucked that Cam Carroll got hurt, and I hope he gets better. You know, it really sucks because this is the same injury he had, and, and it's, you know, another year out for him. But, um, you know, wide receivers, I think, are underrated. I think Ricky Pearsall looks great and I think is undervalued for who he is. And I think by the end of the year, he'll be on those uh, uh, potential lists, possibly like I would even say maybe like third team SEC or maybe even second team SEC um, and maybe even a Belinikoff uh, watch list. Um, but then also the trio coming in, those freshmen, uh, Mizell, uh, Wilson and Andy Jean, you know, those guys look really good. They look really fast. And, you know, that's that's honestly what, you know, makes an offense that much better is the speed. And with those guys coming in and with Ricky there and some of the other guys like Douglas and uh, Burke, you know, there's a chance that, uh, you know, Florida's offense could be really good. You know, Mertz doesn't have to do much. I'm just expecting him to try to, you know – make some plays when needed, but not necessarily make the interceptions, which that would be the problem because if he can cut down on the mistakes, 
you know, get the short and intermediate passes. And I know everyone says that on Twitter, like it's a drumbeat here, but it, it is true because there wasn't really much of that. The quick game, which, you know, that's not talked about a lot on Twitter, which I'm surprised because if the quick game is there with, you know, uh, quick little slants and, and it, which is part of the short game, but it's also just, you know, getting plays in there that make a difference where it's like last year, we weren't really involved with that kind of quick game. And, you know, I, I don't know. Anthony Richardson was, uh, what is it? A one game starter when he started last year. So literally had one game experience as a starter, coming into 2022 you know Mertz has 32 games under his belt and it's a lot of a lot of years playing really good defenses in the Big Ten and you know what I expect a lot out of him you know I I honestly feel if he can if he can just limit the mistakes and uh, you know get the ball to uh, his talented receivers and to his running backs out in the field, which is, that's the other thing. We didn't see a lot of uh, safety valve usage. It was almost yeah. always there. I don't know if you've watched some of the games. I rewatched like at least four or five games. And like there were so many times the safety valve is like 30 yards wide open and Anthony doesn't even look their way. And I'm just like, man, if he just starts dumping, like quarterback dumps it to that safety valve, it's going to start opening it up for the rest of the receivers. And like, if you just never use it, then it's like, it's never, it's yeah. <laughs> yeah, they don't have to account for it. So they're not going to. So it pretty much eliminates a, a, a one man right there. They don't have like you take one man out of, you have an extra man in coverage for the receivers. Um, that was, thing, uh, add that to the grocery list of what, I said that about I. I can't believe Anthony Richardson won the top five. I'm not no, an NFL fan, brutally honest, but like I remember some people at work who were. They're like, oh, because they didn't know as much college football. They're like, what do you think of Anthony Richardson? I'm like, oh my god, it's like he has all the talent. And it's funny because I'm hearing the same thing. It's like he has all the talent in the world, but when it comes game time, you don't know which one you're going to get. Yeah, but I mean. You have to remember, though, he was, what is it, a redshirt sophomore when he mm-hmm. started last year? If he had come back this year, he would be the Heisman frontrunner. Be, there would be a ton of hype on Florida, and it would have better prepared him. But, Ian, I knew he was going to get a top 10, potentially a top 5. I knew it. I, I had no doubt in my mind. He has all the talent in the world, and that was the difference. Regardless of how he played last year or not, they were looking more at the intangibles of what he could be. And that's obviously what got them because he got in the, he was a top four pick. But the one thing I wanted, uh, I actually, I have a, 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 I signed up with Pro Football Focus to look at their stats because it's more in depth than anything else you can find online. Um, but last year, because speaking of Anthony's uh, inconsistencies, Florida was 108th in drop passes last year at 123 mm-hmm. drop passes by the by the uh, receivers. So I looked and I double checked and I was like curious because like Mertz obviously struggled the last two years and I was wondering if there was some correlation there. And I looked in the last two years as far as drop passes in 21. Uh, they had 92 drop passes, and then in 2022, they had 109 drop passes. So clearly, 
Wisconsin had their problems as well at receiver. And thus, that is the reason why you see a lower completion percentage for quarterbacks like Anthony and Mertz is because if you include per game one less drop uh, yeah. for all those court for each game, which is like, I think 12 more completions, it like ups the completion percentage, like five points or something like that. And it's, it's, it, it's quite remarkable what literally all they have to do is just not drop the ball like a, a 10th, like of a percentage and uh, or like 10% less and their the completion percentage goes up and then it doesn't look as bad so it's like clearly the completion percentage has a chance to make a difference there if if the drops are not there so it's like you have to take these two quarterbacks with a grain of salt the last two years yes anthony obviously struggled with some things not seeing the safety valves uh not running more often than he should have and uh you know missing some he was less accurate but he also didn't get much he didn't get very much help from his receivers and nor did uh graham mertz i think the team uh the receivers overall i don't know if they're necessarily better because justin shorter was a is on an nfl team and but last year was pretty tough there wasn't like by the end of the year, it was only Ricky Persall that was uh, playing in the FSU game, and a lot of the other guys mm-hmm. were hurt. So um, I don't know. And Xavier Henderson is gone, um, but uh, I um, I'm expecting that if the team can go eight wins, which that's where I'm shooting at, because like I have like a, a a floor of like six wins, and then like a ceiling of like nine, 10 wins. And I'm thinking the sweet spot is probably eight and four. And where I'm thinking that is with their schedule, I'm thinking they beat Utah. I'm thinking they possibly beat Tennessee. They may lose to Kentucky, probably lose to Georgia, probably lose to LSU, but then I have them beating Florida state. So they're, I think is a is a good enough record right there, and I I think a lot of people will take eight and four. It's not perfect, and it's not great, but it's better than what there were last year. And they also will probably do better on defense because they were basically th- this this last three four year stretch for their defense has been the worst that it's ever been. So uh, you know, there's really there's really only way up one way up or one way to move and it's up. And I think they're going to improve. And I like Austin Armstrong. He brings, brings a lot of energy. He's uh, seems to be uh, highly coveted. You know, he was a, he was with Alabama for a brief moment as the linebacking coach uh, before Billy tabbed him as the uh, D coordinator. So we'll see what happens and, you know, we'll see right away because Salt Lake city is next Thursday. It's a, it's a week from tomorrow. Um, but we'll see what happens. But Ian, I want to hear your thoughts on the Florida Gators. So for me, I'm still in proving wrong. Um, That was the most frustrating thing with the Gators last year is that I still can't get a gauge on what this team, what games can this team win? They can beat Utah and then have an awful game against Kentucky. They can blow out South Carolina and then get in their own way against Vandy. They can 
give LSU a run for their money and then let it slip away against Florida State. It's I didn't know what team to make. It was a very frustrating year, and I'm going into this season – I'm not the most optimistic about this year because, you know, there was a lot of guys gone, a lot of, you know, grandparents coming in. I do believe, <laughs> I think I mentioned this last year too, but I'm, I'm going to say it again. I think the team will play better. I think they will look better. I think now that I think controversial take, I think, Anthony Richardson was the thing that was both helping and killing that offense. The entire offense ran through him. It wasn't really the identity of the offense was whatever Anthony Richardson does. So it was make or break on him. Now this year, it's clear cut and simple. Give ETN and Montreal Johnson the ball and let those guys run wild. It's very similar how I am viewing this offense to how Alabama and Georgia have run their offenses um, in years past. It's where you let your quarterback, you know, sit up those play action passes to get guys like Ricky Pierce all open. Um, very high percentage uh, chances, but I mean, at most, you're going to let Mertz maybe throw 20, 21 passes. Um, but if you can show that ETN and Montreal Johnson can get that space, can, you know, get through the um, defensive line, then, you know, you're not going to need it. And I do think that the rushing attack, I think will be, you know, the crux of everything. Um, the offensive line is very new, very young. Um, it's going to, uh, really come down to, you know, how well these, you know, transfer guys and first year guys coming in. I believe the only returning one was Austin Barber. Um, so, the good news is, is knowing Robert Sale, he was an offensive line guy, so he will do a good job at least coaching them. Doesn't matter of performing. Oh, um, yeah, they, they have they have two offensive line coaches. I can't I can't remember the other guy's name, but Rob Sale is the yeah he's the one. And he's also technically the offensive coordinator, which I don't even think he's offensive coordinator because Billy calls the plays. So um, yeah, but no, go ahead. It's. I'm just going to be in like, you know, prove me wrong mode. I know I bet well under last year, but this year they say, you know, you, you as well, it's been six to eight win range. I'm just right now. <laughs> I, my cousin said the same thing. He says, I'm maybe seven, eight wins. And when I look through the schedule and I'm going, okay, McNeese state, you're looking at, um, Charlotte, and then you go, uh, you know, I mean, God knows Vandy, maybe, and then maybe Arkansas. I, I'm my problem is looking at that schedule, I'm struggling to find the other wins. Well, I'm not, I, I'm not a believer in Missouri, I've never been, I've never been a believer. Missouri, in, that was the other one I was so Missouri is a clown, and like, I'm almost positive he's gonna get fired by the end of this year. And um, and then I'm definitely not a believer in Florida State. You know, they beat a lot of terrible teams last year and uh, lost to the teams that were that were good that they played. Plus, you know, I have a feeling that Florida State's going to come into September and they're going to lose to LSU in that first game and they're going to lose to Clemson. So they're going to be two and two. And then I have them also losing to Wake Forest, which I don't think – 
uh, FSU fans realize they got beat by them last year, and it was a pretty uh, handed hand. The uh, Wake Forest beat them handedly, and uh, I like their quarterback that's there at Wake Forest. I think he's Hartman. No, Hartman left and went to Notre Dame. It's a uh, oh it's yeah, a, that's right. Oh god, it's this other kid. It's <laughs> this other kid I can't remember his name, but he um, he uh, he played four games the last two years and put up pretty big numbers and has been there a few years. So he's got a really good uh, handle on the system and the coach, you know, seems pretty confident in him. I was watching uh, uh, the ACC network does like a, a road trip show where they do like a showcase on each team coming in and, you know, I watched the whole thing and I was like, you know, I was intrigued. Cause I was like, I, I looked at some of the games that Florida state is going to play and I'm like, all right, which games are they potentially might lose? And I was like, all right, maybe Pittsburgh, maybe wake forest, maybe um, Syracuse. But the more I looked at Pittsburgh and Syracuse, I was like, nah, I don't think either of them really have a shot. I think Florida state's going to be both of them. But I was looking at Wake Forest. It was like, one, it's on the road. And then, two, um, Wake has a lot of returning uh, players. And their quarterback has played in, uh, in in a couple of games and has experience in the system. So I I have a feeling that that game will, will go Wake's way. And then, I, I like I said, I really think that Florida is going to beat them because I think the games in Gainesville um, last year – Florida barely lost that game. You know, if the defense was just like, if they could have made like, instead of all the broken tackles that were, if there was like 10 less missed tackles, they probably win that game. And so it's like that game was very close. They just couldn't tackle. And the defense was terrible. That was the whole like reason why Florida state was moving the ball. I mean, Ricky Pearsall went off in the first half and then, uh, ETN had a really solid game. So it's like, I really, and then Anthony, you know, couldn't complete a pass for like a quarter and a half. And that was a real uh, downfall there too. But I, I just think Florida, I think they can beat them. I don't think that Florida state is necessarily on that college football playoff level yet. Uh, I think they, they're recruiting this year better, better than they've, done in probably seven eight years and that'll pay dividends but there's a lot of uh a lot of transfer guys that came in that are taking those roster spots and so once those guys go you know there's going to be a huge uh hole of experience and uh you know the it's going to be next next year not this year but next year for florida state will be a lot tougher um, I don't expect much out of them in 2024, but um, no, it, I, you know, this is allegedly their year, their time to shine. They're, you know, potentially a playoff team by all the media picks. Um, you know, Tra- Travis is, uh, you know, uh, potentially Jordan Travis is potentially a Heisman front runner, but I don't believe that either. I mean, in most games against good teams, he had he performed poorly and uh, he really feasted on bad teams. So I don't expect Florida State to be in the playoff. Um, I definitely expect them to lose to Clemson and I definitely expect them to lose to LSU. Uh, those two guaranteed. The other two, Wake and Florida, I'm probably like 60% they'll lose, but we'll see. Okay, so 
What do you think? You've got a season total of like six and six for Florida. <laughs> um, five and seven. Okay, five and seven. Wow, Ian, that's right. And here's so <laughs> even if that is true, yeah, I am still not panicking. If I yeah. this is the thing. And first of all, have have you seen the Swamp King? Yeah, I need to. That it's just I've been busy dealing with all this stuff, but I will watch it this weekend. So Paul Feinbaum in the first episode, they're talking about the culture of Florida. Paul Feinbaum was talking about Urban Meyer coming in and he goes, Florida is he Urban Meyer was going into a program with a fan base that is notoriously impatient. And I went, Yep, that is what has run out all of these coaches. And I'm going back to this, and I, this is in my article. I can't think – I'm going back to every single first-year coach and seeing, okay, who has had to have the toughest job in their first couple of years? And I went all the way back to Charlie Pell in 1978. Oh, yeah. Because Galen Hall, well, the whole thing, Charlie Pell got fired and then Galen yeah. Hall took over. So that doesn't yeah. count. Spurrier came in and that had a lot of talent already there. Zook recruited well for Meyer. Yeah. much all, all that stuff. I can't think, besides Charlie Pell in 1978, that's 1978 to 2022 when Billy Napier, there is no way a Florida coach has gone through a tougher mountain to climb taking that job than Billy Napier this millennium. So yeah, the expectations for me going immediately when he was hired, this team does not have the elite talent yet. Big emphasis on yet right now. I think this is still clear rebuilding year. I don't expect them to compete for the division, for the SEC championship. I don't see them as dark horse. I'm, I'm just viewing them at basic level. I think the team will play better. It is a very good sign that the recruiting has picked up. That is really what is going to bring this team back. And it's great that Billy Napier is doing such a good job on the recruiting trail so far. But still this year, I'm going to say what's Cash is one of three and four. That's when I'm going to make my judgment because at that time, that's his kids. That's his classes. Let's see how he does with that. If I hope they prove me wrong. I've been saying this the past couple of years, but that's the thing. They have to prove me wrong. They were too inconsistent this year for me to trust them to win these games against honestly better teams. I do think this year, however, why – Originally, you want to know how kind of pessimistic I was. When the schedule first came out, I had them winning three games. (laughs) And I was able to bump it up to five going through all that because I feel like there are more 50-50 games for them that they can win. And that was the problem last year. If it was a 50-50 game, I don't think it was going to go their way. But now – Ian, last year even they went eight eight and four. They went six and six – in the season and they easily if if there was like a little bit more effort in that Vanderbilt game they easily could have won that game they should have they're clearly a better team than Vanderbilt they just you know fucked around on so many different aspects of that game and uh didn't really their their effort was very sloppy you know it was definitely something that 
they needed to play better, and Vanderbilt took advantage of that. But clearly, Florida is more talented than Vanderbilt. And then also in that Florida State game, you know, like I said, that was a much closer game. Like, literally, uh, Florida had the ball with 40 seconds left inside the, like, 20-yard line uh, to with a chance to score to uh, to either win it. They could have won it outright if they went for two there if they scored the touchdown. So they had the chance. It's not like, you know, they, they didn't belong in that game. They didn't get really smoked in the Vanderbilt game either. It's just, you know, they smoked – South Carolina and they smoked Texas A&M and it looked like the momentum was building and they could have finished off eight and four. And if I bet if they finished eight and four that last year, more guys probably would have played the bowl game and they may have had a, they probably would have played a better opponent too. I mean, even though Oregon state is, a really I, although, but I'm, I'm, I'm I mean, really on, I never really count bowl games as part of the regular. Now I don't. Cause no, I'm just got all those guys final, out. final record. It doesn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I'm just saying like in general, they, if they had more momentum being eight and four finishing off the season off a, what four game win streak, you know, things looking up, like, recruiting was going better like there would have been a lot of momentum built going into that bowl game and maybe anthony plays who knows i don't know you never know like and it it doesn't matter because the bowl games really don't matter because unless you're in the playoff the game after the last regular season game doesn't matter except for conference championships but you know so (laughs) regardless let's move on because we've got other stuff we got to talk about so i'm going to talk about usc and ucla real quick so usc um you know, Caleb Williams comes back, Heisman winner, chance to repeat uh, as a Heisman would be only the second uh, two-time winning Heisman winner. Uh, you know, Lincoln Riley's just got things going for them, man. They've got a lot of great pieces on offense. They bring in um, a really uh, – uh, Excellent receiver from Arizona, Dorian Singer, who replaces uh, Jordan Addison, who left to the NFL. Um, Travis Dye left USC at the end of the year and is in the NFL now. And uh, there's a bevy of backs there that are going to replace his uh, uh, workload. Um, There's one from uh, South Carolina, Marshawn Lloyd, that looks Mm -hmm. to fill Boyd. And then um, the receivers, uh, really awesome group of guys, Taj Washington, Mario Williams, Brendan Rice, all contributed last year. Uh, I can really see this offense doing well. The offensive line brings a lot back, uh, including, um, what is it, that uh, Tarquin from Florida, the offensive lineman from Florida, Tarquin. Mm-hmm. And so the offensive Offense looks great for USC, and I expect, you know, a big output from them to maybe be the leading uh, offensive team in the country. It's potential to be. I mean, Caleb Williams is amazing, especially if he stays healthy. I expect a lot out of him. Now, the real key for this whole team is the defense with, you know, Alex Grinch coming back as a defensive coordinator. I'm not really sold on him yet. I was kind of tentative last year, and they struggled. Uh, You know, uh, they were the 106th best defense um, on uh, regarding uh, uh, run defense and giving up. uh, um, uh, 
Wait, no, 106th best defense overall. But they were just weaker on the run than they were in the pass. They gave up 423 yards in the uh, total and like a bunch of touchdowns. It was 54 touchdowns. So they they really struggled defensively. And I really think uh, the guys that they have returning, they seem to be. I don't know. I mean, it's there's a lot of talent there. I just I'm I'm not I'm not sold on Grinch yet. Like if he mm-hmm. if he can make a difference there, that would be what propels them into uh you know, last year where they lost those Utah games, maybe they win those Utah games because I mean in that first Utah game they gave up like 43 points I think and I think the second one they gave up a lot too. So it's like you know, if they can cut that down to like only giving up like 24 points, 25 points, you know, their offense is going to score. So it's like if they just keep it in the ballpark, they're going to have a really good chance. You know, the thing that sets out USC this year that's going to make it uh, – that's going to help them a lot is the first half of the year, the first five games are against teams with a combined record of 21 and 51. So they're going to coast through the first yeah. half of the schedule. They don't really have a game until – uh oh, Notre Dame. And by the way, spoiler alert, I have Notre Dame as my one of my four teams in the playoff. And I'll tell you why. Sam Hartman transferring mm-hmm. in from Wake Forest. I I've been a huge fan of Sam Hartman. The guy is just a stud college quarterback. I don't know if it's going to translate into the NFL, but he does amazing uh, you know, in college. And I think it's going to be the difference. This will be the best uh, talented quarterback that Notre Dame has had since God, man, I don't know. I mean, cause I never thought Brady Quinn was that talented. I was going to say Brady Quinn was the last one. I, I could never think thought Lawson was that talented. You know, I never thought, I mean, it's just a whole host. Like I don't even remember the last time, probably in my lifetime of watching football, have I seen, a quarterback as talented as Sam Hardman. I am huge on Notre Dame. I think with Marcus Freeman, like feeling it now after last year, kind of struggled there at the beginning of the year. You know, they really turned it on at the end. They beat South Carolina in that bowl game. I really think they can make a difference this year. And I have them going 11 and one and losing to, um, I have it. Let's see. I have Notre Dame losing to Clemson. So it's a tough game. It's a Clemson on the road. So there's a chance they could lose that. But regardless, I think Notre Dame is going to beat USC. But with that, if they lose to Notre Dame, uh, you know, it's not the end of the world because they still have the Pac-12 conference game, conference championship to get into. So they just have to beat that murderer's row, which that's the really tough part because they have – Utah, they have UCLA, they have Oregon, they have Washington. So it's a really tough road at the end of the year. The first half's really easy. So they can rest up the guys, play it a lot of the younger guys, get ready for that second half. But as of right now, because I think the defenses might be the weakness, I think they might lose one of the Oregon or UCLA games. And I'm leaning towards more of the Oregon game because the Oregon game is on the road. So I have USC potentially going 10 and two, but if they can fix things defensively, I think they can get to 11, one get to the conference championship game, which I think they still might, even if they go 10 and two 
get to the yeah. Pac-12 championship game. If they go 11-1, and one, get to the Pac-12 conference game, then they have a chance to get in the playoff, but we'll see. And I do like uh, um, Caleb to, to repeat as, as the Heisman winner. Okay, on to UCLA. So real quick about UCLA. Again, it's a struggle defensively. These teams have been very bad defensively, all four of these teams, USF, Florida, UCLA, USC. And so that's the real struggle here. So it's like if you can't stop anyone, you're not going to really beat a lot of teams, and especially in those close games because the close games is where you make a difference because when you can make stops and get the ball back in the offense and then the offense runs out the clock, then you're going to win those games. So uh, as far as UCLA, um, they uh, they return a lot on uh, on offense. Uh, you know, they lose Zach Charbonneau and DTR, which was two-thirds of their rushing attack. Um, but they have two uh, transfers coming in, Carson Steele from Ball State and Anthony mm-hmm. Atkins from Army. They also have... TJ Harden and Colton uh, Yankoff return. Um, and another guy, Keegan Jones, who's going to split between right receiver and running back. So the running backs look solid. They could be a, a strength there for them. They haven't decided on their QB. That's kind of up in the air. They were the six best rushing attack. So if they continue that trend, uh, they'll definitely be uh, uh, solid on offense. They had s- six yards per per carry, which was best in the country last year, which is kind of crazy. It was that good. But they, you know, Chip Kelly is a, a wizard with uh, offensive scheming. Um, the line returns for uh, just the right guard that they're replacing. Um, wide receiver, J. Michael Sturdivant from Cal and Kyle Ford from USC come in. Uh, Sturdivant had 755 yards and Ford had 365. So pretty good uh, contributions there. So look to elevate the passing attack. Some of the returners are uh, Nam Brown, Logan Loya, and uh, Titus Mokaya Atamalala. Now defense, they're returning nine. So there's a chance that there could be some better play there. Is have more like more experience coming in, and the other thing now this is the difference between USC. USC kept their coordinator. Well, you know UCLA did not. They have a new one coming in. It's uh, Danton Lynn. He's actually the son of the former uh, Los Angeles Chargers head coach, and um, you know oh, I yeah, the Chargers are in LA. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the, he was uh, he was a safety coach for the the Ravens last year. So he's young. He's only like 33, but he looks to turn around the the defense, which was the 87th ranked defense last year. They gave up 403 yards a game. So it was obviously very bad. And um, they just, they need to make stops just like USC as well. I, I, for them, as far as predictions, I have, I have them going nine and three with, with losses to Utah, Coastal Carolina, and Oregon State. So I know you would like that, Ian, that they did yeah. Coastal. <laughs> okay, so, all right, we got the teams out of the way. Now let's go into conference uh, conference picks. Ian, so let's start it off with SEC. Who do you got SEC winning? 
until somebody beats Georgia, Georgia. I mean, that's literally what it's going to be. I can't see anybody um, right now winning uh, the SEC. I mean, Bama, LSU, there are competitors. But again, I'm of the prove me wrong mentality. Somebody has to show that they can beat Georgia. So I'm going to say right now, Georgia three pizzas, uh, or actually, no, three pizzas SEC champions because I forgot the first national championship they lost to Bama. Okay, so who's in the West? Who's coming out of the West? So that I'm going to go with. I, I'm going to go with. It's a typical pick, but I think Bama pulls it out this year. There are a lot. The games they lost were by one score, and they did not play well. That was not, you know, Tennessee and LSU. That was more. Bama kind of just let that game get away. So I think now, and with a very pissed off Nick Saban, who's now of the mentality of, oh, now everybody's doubting me, which is terrifying. Uh, pray for USF in week three. That's all I'm saying. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to see rematch Bama, Georgia, although my sleeper pick would be LSU. Okay. And that's who my sleeper is. And I have Georgia and Alabama as well. And I've actually, I have Bama as of right now, but Really, it's tentative because it's it depends on the quarterback situation with Bama. And I really think if they don't figure that out, it'll more than likely be LSU. Because, you know, Jaden Daniels, as much as I'm not the biggest believer in him, he seemed to, you know, figure things out uh, the latter half of the year, especially after that Tennessee game where they got smoked. And they did a lot better besides the Georgia game. But, um, no, I um, – Yes, Georgia is good. And I just – but, you know, you have to realize, Ian, Carson Beck didn't beat out Setson Bennett. And I know mm-hmm. that he um, obviously is talented coming out of high school, but he hasn't really played that much, like, in-game, you know. So how do we even know how good he is? I know there's a lot of talent on offense, you know, Brock Bowers, uh, the running backs – um, they have uh, they bring in that uh, that wide receiver from Mizzou, but um, I don't know. The defense will obviously be better, uh, not better than the last two years, but I mean better than the offense. I, I I'm it's going to be a heavy defensive team. I think if Carson Beck can not make as many mistakes, they'll they'll likely go through the schedule. And that's the other thing: the schedule is so easy. So regardless of how Beck is. Uh, Georgia should be able to uh, 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 go through it, but all right. So I, I'm going to write this article that I'm going to come out with next Friday. And I worked on something uh, after last season where I went through the record of the four rivals of Georgia, of Florida, uh, 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 Auburn, Tennessee and Georgia tech. And I went through every single record and went through the stats. And literally, if you think about it, the last five, six years since Kirby has been there, those teams have basically been terrible and fluctuating. And there've only been, I think, I think only Auburn has beaten Georgia once and Florida has beaten Georgia like twice. It's either like three or four between 
those six years, six or seven years between those four teams, there's like three victories for all four of those teams against Georgia. And now you can just say, oh, yeah, Georgia is very good. But you can also say all of those four teams went through at least three coaches in that time. So, or, uh, yeah, three coaches. So, you know, that's that's a lot of turmoil between all those teams. And, yes, Georgia contributed to that uh, misery for those teams. But if all those teams are doing bad, because they did bad against everyone, it wasn't like those teams were doing bad against just Georgia. They were doing bad against every every team they played. So if those four teams are doing better, which, uh, spoiler alert, last year – Heupel got Tennessee to 11 and two. Billy Napier is trying to turn around Florida, which potentially he can. Uh, Hugh Freeze at Auburn has something going there. He's recruiting through the roof and he knows offense. And then the Georgia Tech alum, which I don't know too much about. I looked into him. He seems like he could be all right. It's a hard place to coach. You know, it's a very good school academically. So they don't get a ton of like big time recruits, like really only in the last like 20 years. I only really remember Calvin Johnson. That was a big time recruit that came out of that came to Georgia Tech. So we'll see. But it seems like those four teams are turning the corner. And so if now and instead of. Georgia just penciling in those four games as victories. They now have to lose a game or two, possibly almost every year. That that changes the the calculus immensely. It goes from, oh, we can just pencil in four victories to, oh, wait, we might actually lose one of these games. And then when they're playing like uh, Alabama or they play LSU or they play uh, an Ole Miss or Texas A&M, there's a potential of them losing that game as well. So they go from losing to maybe just one with those SEC West teams to now potentially losing another game. So they could have two losses where that would, you know, I know the playoff is changing into uh, 12 teams, but it completely changes the calculus. It really does. So I'm going to write that article and I know there's more to it that I'm going to get more in depth about, but yeah, that's just my theory and my, like I'm positing with this. And I know Georgia fans are probably going to give me shit, but I don't really give a fuck. So, okay. Moving on to big 10. Who do you got Ian? I, I don't, I'm not trying to be, you know, typical, but I, I think Ohio State has too much talent. I've said that the past, like almost every year I have been on this show, but I don't think there's a way Michigan beats them three times in a row. I think Ohio State, this is really a make or break year. Um, they, they have to beat Michigan, and I think they will. I think there's enough. There's now Ohio State was more talented last year, but they couldn't find a way to win. That's the difference. I think they find a way to, you know, stop the running game for Michigan. I think they go into the Indianapolis and they win uh, the Big Ten. Um, and I, I could see them in the playoff. I think they're just – I know they have a lot of quarterback controversy right now. But, again, I don't think the quarterback plays the problem when you have Marvin Harrison Jr. as a wide receiver. He could probably throw it in – Quadruple coverage, you know, probably find a way to come down with it. Um, yeah, their receiving core is, is very stout for sure. Yeah, so I'm going to go with the Buckeyes out of the Big Ten. Who's your Who's your other uh, conference championship game opponent in that one? 
I'm going to pull, I mean, God, the Big Ten West is such a joke. <laughs> um, uh, it's between uh, Iowa or Wisconsin. I'll, I'll go, I think Wisconsin, I'm going to go with them. I think, yeah. you know, it is uh, Luke Fickle's first year. But I think, you know, with the schedule provided for them, I think there's enough there. But I'll say Wisconsin or Iowa. Who's your surprise team out of there? Uh, I would say actually would be uh, Penn State. Penn State, there hasn't been as much talk about Penn State. They have a lot of returning starters. They have a lot of uh, good players out of there. I think Penn State may give some of these top teams uh, some trouble. Like, I would not be surprised if one of the losses, Michigan, Ohio State, those guys have, is against Penn State. Because if you go to, you know, the whiteout, it's tough. Yeah, I I agree. I like Penn State as my sleeper, too. I think Michigan's going to win again because I think J.J. McCarthy is more the stable force there than over Ohio State, which they're trying to figure out their quarterback situation. And then my like kind of surprise pick for the the West uh, uh, division is uh, Illinois. Um, Brett Bielema has done pretty well. Um, you know, the West sucks, so it doesn't really matter. Like whoever wins the East is more than likely going to win. But uh, yeah, I've got <laughs> Illinois out of there. Um, but in my like my picks for like Michigan, how they're going to, how their record's going to go. I feel like Penn state is going to beat them, but I feel that Penn state is going to lose two games. And then that uh, Michigan will be the, um, the team that goes uh, to, to represent the the East. Okay. Let's move on to uh, speaking of ACC. Let's go to the ACC. Um, I've got Clemson over FSU. And then I feel that Wake is my sleeper. But uh, who do you got? I'm going to go same. Clemson and FSU. Because uh, this is the first year without divisions, right? Yeah, no divisions, yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to go Clemson and FSU. And I'm going to go um, North Carolina with Drake May. Mm, I'm going to go with yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, I do like North Carolina too. But I just feel like, I don't know, I feel like this Wake team is going to surprise people. And uh, I may be wrong, but I mean, these are just sleepers. So it doesn't sound like we're like we're expecting these teams to actually do it. Okay, Uh, moving to the Big 12. I've got Texas going up against Kansas State. And my surprise team is going to be Texas Tech because there seems to be some hype about them for some reason. And I'm just I'm curious to see what happens. Um, But, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Texas, Kansas State and uh, Texas Tech. I like Kansas State because they bring a lot back, starting quarterbacks back. Texas brings Quinn Ewers. I love Quinn Ewers. I think they can beat Alabama, which I think that's going to happen. So I think Alabama is going to go 11 and one and their loss coming to Texas. And um, but I think uh, Texas is just going to miss the playoff by like just a hair by like maybe like a loss or two in the big 12. But what do you got in the big 12, Ian? So I have uh, Texas um, winning that one over Oklahoma state um, and that one. And my surprise team would, I I think TCU actually isn't going to be as bad this year. I I know it's weird for a team that was just the national championship, but I don't see, I don't think they're going to go like four and eight. This is definitely rebuilding here, but I think they got enough there to, you know, make a bowl game, make a game, you know, 
potentially New Year's six. They only they only return three on offense though. They return a lot on defense, and they brought like a decent amount of uh, come uh, decent transfers and recruits coming in. But uh, let's move on. Uh, Pac twelve. I've got uh, UCLA as my surprise team, and then USC going up against Washington. So I think USC is going to win that, and then USC is going to be uh, in the playoff. That's what I got. So what do you got, Ian? Uh, for that one, I'm going to take USC playing and finally winning against Utah. Um, again, I think it's going to be the same thing as last year, but I think USC gets the upper hand uh, this year. And my under-the-radar team, I, I'm going to – excuse me uh, – I would probably say Washington. It's weird saying that Washington uh, is under the radar because they have Penix a lot of talent. Junior, but Penix Jr., man, he's a stud. You know that. We've talked yes. about that for a long time, how good he is. I'm surprised more people don't know who he is. It's mainly because he got hurt at Indiana, so it kind of like stymied what was going on with him. And then when he's in – you know, he's been at Washington since last year, and being on the West Coast is always such a – detriment to media access because they don't seem to show a lot of stuff from people on the West coast. doesn't get as much love on the East coast. So, you know, Michael Penix, I, I envision in the top three quarterbacks being drafted next year, Caleb Williams, Drake may, and then Michael Penix jr. That's what I have as of right now. So, um, okay. Uh, so I gave mine. All right, let's do playoff. Who do you got playoff Ian? So end of year, again, end of year predicting. I'm going to go Georgia, Ohio State, Texas, and then I'm going to put USC. Okay. What, uh, what's and, your matchups in those games? Um, Georgia will play uh, Ohio State. Texas will play USC. And who wins those two? I'm going to go Georgia beats Texas. USC beats uh, Ohio State. And then for the national championship, I think USC would win it. So Georgia, USC, and USC winning? Yes. Okay. Um, Yeah, yeah. I I don't even have Georgia in my... Who's who's your five and six? Who's your two teams out? Uh, Bama and Utah. Bama and Utah. Wow. Okay, I have Notre Dame, USC, Michigan, and Alabama. But Alabama is really contingent on that quarterback play. If it's if it's really shaky, then I'm going to be really disappointed. But Whatever, this is what I'm going with. And then I have Texas and Clemson at my five and six. I have Notre Dame playing Alabama and USC playing Michigan. And I'm going to say USC. USC beats Michigan. And then I'm going to say Notre Dame beats Alabama. And then it's going to be, ooh, that's going to be a rematch of that game. I wonder. Oof. Um, 
I'm going to say Notre Dame and I'm, I'm, and I'm, you know, me, I've never been a supporter of Notre Dame. I just feel like this is the most talented quarterback they've ever had. The talent there now has been pretty good. The last two years with Marcus Freeman with the recruiting he's done. I think if, if, if there's ever a chance for Notre Dame to win the playoff, it's, it's, this a, year, it's here this year. So I expect them to do great things this year. They have a really hard schedule. They play Clemson. They play Wake Forest. They play USC. They play um, Louisville, which is a tough team. Uh, I think they play – there's another hard team. I can't remember. Navy on the road or in Ireland is going to be tough. I know, and I don't have Georgia here, but I honestly feel like I – I didn't talk about it too much when I was bringing up that theory, which is I think Georgia is going to lose to Auburn and I think Georgia is going to lose to Ole Miss as well. So they'll still get to the SEC championship game or Tennessee. So it's either going to be Ole Miss or um, uh, Tennessee. So I think they're going to lose to Auburn. That game's on the road. The Tennessee game's on the road. The Ole Miss game's at home. But I think they're going to lose two of those three. And more than likely, it's going to be Auburn. And then depending on uh, Ole Miss and Tennessee, we'll see. But so that's 10 and two. And then they'll lose to Alabama. So that would completely knock them out of uh, playoff consideration. So let's move on to Heisman. We forgot to do that. But um, who's your who's your let's go five, four, three, two, one. So who's your fifth guy? Um, I actually had four. <laughs> OK, there you go. Uh, um, I would say my four would be Marvin Harrison Jr. Yep. Three, Sam Hartman. Yep. Love two, it. Brock Bowers. And one, Caleb Williams. Yeah, it's pretty similar to mine. I have uh, Sam at five, Marvin Harrison Jr. at four. I got Michael Penix Jr. And I got Drake May. And then I got Caleb Williams. I really think – I think in, unless Caleb gets hurt, I really think he's going to – he's going to. It's his it. Heisman to lose. It's, yeah, it's his think, to lose. And I think – I don't think the, like, voters are too concerned about, like, him being a two-time winner. Like, because it's only been um, Archie, Archie Griffin from Ohio State. So, it's like – I don't think they're like – I think it, like, used to be a thing because, like, when Tebow was there – they were really like hesitant about it, even though they probably could have given it to him one of those years. But it was like, especially 08. Yeah, yeah, 08 for sure. And it's like, I really think that if Caleb does as good or better or like around the same, that he will run away with it. Um, so yeah, that's all those. Let's do real quick week zero and then let's call it a show. So um, for week zero, Notre Dame, Navy, what do you got, Ian? I think um, Notre Dame wins this one. I don't – Navy has been a pain in the ass to these teams, though. Yeah. So I'm going to say they struggle a bit, but I'm going to go Irish in Ireland 28-16. 28-16 Irish? Yes. All right. I got 38 uh, to – I'll say 20. Notre Dame and then the USC um, I'm double checking just to make sure uh, Tro- I know it's San Jose State so Trojans 
San Diego or San I'm pretty sure it's San Jose State. Let me see. Yeah, whoever has their billboard at Sharks games, that's who it is. Yeah. That's how I know San Jose State. Yeah, San, San Jose, Jose State. Games. So, what? Oh, what what's your uh, prediction there? Um, I'm going to realize a, relive a quote from Keyshawn Johnson when he was in the NFL. This is huh. the type of game where you're USC and you're playing San Jose State. You put your foot on their throat and you don't let up. Yeah, sixty-two to seven, um, Trojans. The USC variety. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know if they're going to score that much. They could. They definitely have the offense, too. I, I, I'm i going to say, like, I'll say 45, 45 to 20. That's what I'm going with. Cool. Well, that is the show, everyone. This is what we do. We talk about college football. We love this sport. Me and Ian are huge fans. We talk about this as much as we can when we when we come on the show. Uh, going forward, the show is going to be every Wednesday and every Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern and 5 p.m. Pacific. You can find it on YouTube, uh, Twitter, Facebook. Um, it'll be broadcast there, and then I'll have it on a podcast form where it'll be all podcast formats. You can find it there. You can find us at hater underscore radio for Twitter, Instagram, uh, for YouTube, it's at Hater Radio, one word. Uh, Ian's uh, social media is at GGatorG2. You can find us there. Reach us also at HaterRadio1 at gmail.com. You know, I just incorporated this business. I obviously have a good camera. It obviously looks like a good image. And I spent a lot of money to do this. And, you know, I love this sport. You know, I'm going to try to do more live broadcasts. I'm going to Salt Lake City for the Utah game. So if you come to the Salt Lake City game, uh, any Florida fans, hit me up. I'm there. I'm wanting to hang out. Well, I'll probably hang out Wednesday night before the game. I'll be broadcasting uh, outside the stadium before the game. Probably take the camera out, have recording some stuff as we're going on. You know, so – so see, see me there. I'm going to try to go to the Florida, Florida state game at the end of the year. I may even go to the Florida LSU game as well in Louisiana. Cause that may be uh, the last time they play LSU for a little while in Baton Rouge. Oh and God. Then, yeah. They're doing this. stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Stupid and thing. so, and I might go to, or maybe the USC Oregon game, but I'm going to go to a lot of USC UCLA games. So check me there, check for our broadcast for stuff, check our articles uh, I have the USC uh, season preview up. Ian has a Florida Gators and USF Bulls season previews coming up in the next yep. couple of days. UCLA's will be around there as well. Look out for our articles, all kinds of stuff we have going on. So thank you and uh, have a good night, everybody.